Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right, good afternoon or good evening, everybody. Um, this is Dr. Rail, and today we will be talking about a very difficult subject, but also a very important one, and it's grief and loss. And I have had a lot of experience over my lifetime with both grief and loss issues. Um, Having lost my father when I was 16, and then my mom died about five years ago. Um, And I've lost dogs, uh, my home several times. Um, So that's a little bit of an introduction to me and it gives me some personal expertise with this subject. And also, I've studied this issue and worked with many, many, many clients over the past 30 years who have lost um, a variety of people, family, pets, um, sometimes extremely traumatically and tragically, um, and sometimes uh, just natural causes. So... Um, Basically, uh, there are components to grief, and I don't use stages. You may have heard, um, especially beginning with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, about five stages of grief, and some people came up with four, and some people came up with six, and some people broke all of those down and came up with a whole lot more. (laughs) I don't speak of grief in stages, because what we have discovered over the years and what I know to be true is you don't go through one stage, then the next, then the next, then the next, then the next, and then whew, you're done. It just doesn't work that way. And many people have the expectation when they, they hear about uh, five stages that, that, that the how, that's how it is. And then they're extremely confused when they reach what they thought was acceptance or closure, and then they start grieving all over again. So if the stages were true, it would just be, you know, you'd go through one, then the next, then the next, um, and then eventually you'd be done. So it doesn't really work that way. Um, But there are components to grief. Um, The first one is shock. When you first hear about a loss or a death or even an, an impending loss, there's shock. And then there's a denial. And shock and denial go pretty close to hand in hand. Um, you, you initially hear about it, and it just feels so overwhelming. And then you may go through a period where you deny that it really happened. Then you go through a period of bargaining. And bargaining is, especially in more of loss issues or when it's an impending loss or uh, an impending death. You know, a lot of times people will attempt to bargain. And they'll bargain with God or the universe or whatever and, and make promises or make statements. If you don't make this happen, I'll do whatever you want. Or, um, you know, any, anything that they can to bargain. Um, because what you're trying to do is keep the inevitable from happening, or get back what you are losing. After that, 
um, when it becomes very clear that, you know, the person is gone or your pet is gone, your guide dog is gone, um, that you have lost your home or your relationship or whatever, um, then you go through what I refer to as the emotional phase. And emotions range from anger to despair to fear, sadness, guilt, and anything in between then. Um, the anger may very, be very intense, and you may be angry with the person who left or the person who died. Um, you may be angry with God. You may be angry with the universe. You just may simply be angry with everything and everyone in the whole world. Anger can be very intense. Um, the fear is how are you going to move on without that person or um, that whatever it was you lost, that guide dog or your home? You know, how are you going to, to move on? Um, maybe you fear or are afraid that you can't move on. You were very uh, involved and dependent on that person, and, and you simply can't move on. You, you fear that. Um, sadness, of course, is, you know, you're sad about the loss. And sadness can be very extreme. At times, it can be incapacitating with the, the sadness. And then a lot of times, people feel guilt. They may feel guilty that they survived. They may feel, and the, and the other person didn't. They may feel guilty that they didn't do something or that they did do something or, you know, that they should have done or could have done, you know, that type of thing. So the emotional part is uh, there's a lot of different emotions and there's a lot of different intensity of any of those emotions at any given time. So again, it's not like you just go through the anger, and then you're not angry again, and then you just feel sad, and then you reach a point of, of acceptance. You can go through a lot of emotions for a long time. Um, and then once you have worked through all of that, you finally reach the stage or the, the place of acceptance or closure, that you're actually able to accept your loss and um, kind of move on with your with your life or what you need to do. Um, some people never really reach that point. And that's, you know, you may have heard people say, well, I, it, it was so painful when I lost my dog that I'll never get another one. You know, they, they have not reached the point where they can actually move on and accept that. Um, if, if there's a lot of unanswered questions, maybe the person committed suicide or was murdered. You know, the, it may be hard to reach full closure if you don't have those questions answered. Um, so those, those can be difficult situations. There are some myths about grief that we've all probably heard. Um, first of all, sometimes people try to make comparisons. It's more difficult to lose a child than it is a parent, or it's more difficult to lose a child than it is a dog, or, you know, um, so, so we'll, we'll determine that something is more difficult than another. And that's not at all true. For some people, losing a guide dog can be the most difficult situation that they've ever found themselves. And I can tell you that when I lost my first guide dog, it was beyond bad. I mean, I, I just couldn't, 
couldn't come to terms with it and, and couldn't really function very well, even though I had gone to get my second one. And unfortunately, I didn't bond with the second one quite as quickly because I was still grieving very hard for the first one. Um, so, you know, try to not get into any type of a discussion with anybody about, well, it's more difficult to do this than it is the other. Your loss is your loss. And your loss is your significant loss. And, um, you know, if, if you don't have children, for example, it would be ridiculous to say, for me to say, because I don't have children, it would be ridiculous for me to say, well, it would be worse to lose a child. Um, it was more difficult for me to lose my father because I was a younger age and, and I was close to my father, really close. So... You know, the difficulty of, of a loss has a lot to do with how close you were with that person, how dependent you were with that person, maybe the length of the relationship, but maybe not, um, possibly the age of the person, but not always. Um, so it's a very individual thing, and it's up to you. You're the only one who knows how difficult anything is for you. And what may be difficult for one person may not be so difficult for another person. Uh, a lot of times people think that it's more difficult to lose somebody to death than it is to, say, end up in a divorce or breakup. That's not necessarily true. Um, some people can come to terms a little bit easier with death because they have a belief that that person is in a better place or you know, that that person is with God or that person is in heaven. And in divorces, which can be very painful, you're, you're left with a lot of unanswered questions and, and you still may hear from or see that person, and especially with somebody else. So it's not necessarily easier one way or the other. Again, your loss is your loss, and my loss is my loss, and they can be very different. Um, many people think that, you know, we can set a time limit on grief. Uh, you know, you have one year, and that's totally unrealistic. You may be able to complete your grief process in three months, or it might take several years, or you may never. Um, some people, like I said, get stuck, and they, they're not able to complete the grief process. Um, another thing that we often are get in our heads is that if you lose a spouse or you lose a parent that you can't get involved with another person in that you can't have that kind of relationship because you'll replace the person you lost. And nothing could be further from the truth. Each person, again, is different, and you can never, ever replace that person or that guide dog um, because your relationship with that person or that guide dog was one relationship and your relationship with another person or another guide dog is going to be a new relationship, a different relationship. So you'll never have to worry about, oh, if I get another guide dog, I'll be unfaithful or disloyal to my guide dog. Um, not at all. Uh, it's just, you know, the human experience. And um, we, we, if we can move on, you know, then there's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, sometimes people have the idea that getting rid of the person's personal 
things, clothes and jewelry and that type of thing, will be disloyal to that the person that you lost or um, will make you forget them, it will not. Um, most people find that as difficult as it is to do, once you do that, once you go through and, and you feel ready to, you know, give their things away or whatever you're going to do, that they're able to kind of heal a little bit better because they're not walking past every day, every day, every day, that person's clothes or, you know, that person's special car or whatever it might have been. Um, so they find that once they do that, it's actually a relief. Um, and that, that doesn't mean you have to go right ahead and get rid of everything, you know, but if you get rid of some things or decide what you're going to hold on to, um, it may be helpful because it will, that constant reminder or the constant fragrance of the person um, will not be there. So getting rid of their things will not make you forget the person and it's not disloyal to the person. Um, normal reactions to grief are sleep appetite, and emotional disturbances. People can have those for, you know, as long as they're working through all of this emotional stuff having to do with the grief or the loss. But usually it's very common that people have sleep, appetite, and emotional disturbances. They may lose interest in their usual activities for a bit of time. Um, they may complain because they don't have as much energy or they feel tired. Um, they have difficulty concentrating, staying focused. They may have difficulty with their memory, and they may have an emotional outburst. You know, suddenly something just really sets you off and, and you, you're angry. Or, you know, maybe something just hits and, and you burst into tears. So emotional outbursts are not uncommon. Um, they're pretty normal. Um, when it becomes a real problem is when you feel, not when I feel, or the doctor feels, or your friend feels, but when you feel that it's a problem. If you feel, you know, it's been several months and I'm still not sleeping, or uh, I'm, I'm losing a lot of weight and, and my health is at risk, um, or I'm driving everybody away because I'm having too many emotional outbursts. When you recognize that it's a problem, then it's definitely time to seek professional help. So, you know, try not to get caught up into, well, you really should go see somebody, or you really should take medication, or you really should. If you don't feel that it's a problem, um, then, you know, it, it's probably not time for you. Maybe you still have more to work through or more to experience. So coping techniques. First of all, it's really important to seek support. And support from your family, if you can, from your friends, uh, from clergy, from support groups, if you can. Um, the more support you can get, the better. And you may not initially feel like, you know, just getting support or talking a lot. But it is important to let people know what has happened and that you do need some support in some way. Trying to bottle up all your feelings and um, deal with uh, a grief or a loss all by yourself is, is going to be really difficult and probably impossible. Um, a lot of times what people encounter is they try to talk about the loss and other people 
In a lack of knowing what to say or how to respond, they try to change the subject or rush you on. So what you can do is, at, at that point, is say, you know what, I don't really want you to say anything or need you to say anything, but I do need to just talk. And that will let them know that, oh, I, I don't have to say anything or I don't have to worry about what to say. Um, because a lot of times that's very difficult for people. They don't want to say the wrong thing, but they don't know what to say. And so, and the best thing that you can do for anybody who is grieving is just listen, just be there for them. Um, if it feels like maybe they do want you to do something, you can ask them, you know, what do you want me to do or how can I help? Um, and, and you may, as a grieving person, you may have to tell somebody, you know, I just need you to listen. I just need to know that somebody cares. That's all. Um, it's important to try to help other people because if you're helping other people, you're not dwelling on your loss. Um, so, you know, if you can find ways that you can help other people or listen to them a little bit, uh, that may be helpful. It's absolutely important to acknowledge and honor how you feel when you feel it instead of you know, trying to push everything down. And many times people do that. They'll, they'll try to push their tears down or they'll try to not feel angry. And that can cause a lot of problems because if you don't deal with those emotions and you don't recognize that, you know, you do feel angry and, and it's okay from the normal part of grieving, then you'll just repress it and not be able to, to work through um those emotions. And ironically, one of the things that I finally realized was if you lose a human, they probably have lost somebody too before you lost them. And so they felt all these emotions that you feel. So they probably would really understand just exactly how you're feeling because they've been there. So, you know, don't feel guilty for being having the the normal human emotions because they probably had them too. Um, we talk about uh, getting rid of the, the personal effects and, you know, so that you can make changes to your living space or their living space. Um, and, and so that you can kind of not have the constant reminders that, you know, they'll never wear the clothes or they'll never wear the jewelry again, um, those types of things. And that can really be be healing. It's, it's a horribly difficult thing to do, but it can be healing. I know somebody who hasn't gotten rid of anything from his mother or his dog or his father, and every time he sees them, becomes depressed and despondent. And he's been doing this for years and years and years. And it's like, don't you think that it's time to get rid of those things and free that space within you? I don't know whether he will or not, but oh. um, recognize the things that really make you feel bad. If it's watching certain movies or listening to certain songs or if you have joined a group but, but you notice every time you leave that group you feel worse, you know, those are triggers. Um, those are things to either minimize or avoid. Um, if it's discussing your loss with certain people. yeah. So pay attention to how you feel and, and what's going on. Because if you're feeling worse, then that's a signal that something needs to change. 
It's also important to try to keep your normal routine. And if you can't keep your normal routine, and sometimes when you lose people or, you know, you, you experience grief, maybe you're going through other things as well. Or because that person is no longer here, you can't keep your normal routine. So if you can't do that, then develop a new one as soon as you can. Um, because when we, we stay on routine, we kind of know what to expect and, you know, have something to look forward to at, at the same time. And, and it feels more predictable than, than just no routine at all. Then it's really important to try to get some sleep the best you can, even if you're only sleeping for, you know, three or four hours at a time. Um, sleep for those three or four hours and then, you know, do something relaxing or rewarding or whatever and, and sleep again for another few hours. You know, the whole thing about getting eight to nine hours of sleep each night, well, that's actually eight to nine hours of sleep in a 24-hour period. So, you know, sometimes people can't sleep the whole night, but they can take a nap during the day for two or three hours. And until you get yourself back on your schedule, that may be what, that may be as much as you can do. Try to eat nutritious foods, um, get some exercise, which is really important, and drink a lot of water. And the reason drinking water and exercise are important is because when you experience a loss, your body starts producing extra adrenaline. And the extra adrenaline turns into cortisol, which is you can become very toxic to cortisol. Um, cortisol is our stress hormone. And so when we're under stress, our body produces cortisol. And cortisol is actually designed to help cope with stress. But sometimes you know, we produce way too much, and typically we do. Um, so exercise and water will help get that out of your system. Then it's important to, you know, write about how you feel. Um, some people use art to express how they feel. Some people use music to express how they feel or dance, something creative. And try to hold on to your faith or your spirituality, um, even if it's pretty shaky at the time, you know. It is important to, to hold on to that and, and find comfort even for a few minutes. Um, when you have reached the point where you feel like you can start to work toward acceptance or closure, you know, we, we kind of do things a little bit backwards um, in our society because we pretty much have to. But typically, after, especially if somebody dies, we, um, you know, immediately go into a funeral or a memorial service. And sometimes they are held over, in certain cultures, they are held over a, a significant period of time, you know, even a week um, or two weeks. But very often, you know, we give people two days off or three days off, if you're lucky, from work to get through the grieving process. And we just kind of expect that, okay, you're going to have this memorial service or funeral within a few days. And, and then you're going to be you're going to be back to normal. You, and it's actually after those couple of weeks when the grieving process truly starts. Because for the first couple of weeks, you're still in the shock and denial. You're not even to the emotional part yet. So we kind of do things backwards in, in our society. It would be far better if somehow we could make the closure and, and the acceptance part of 
when we have the funeral or the memorial service and that type of thing. But, you know, we don't do that. So that's why it's really important when you finally reach the point where you feel that you're there, you've accepted this, you've accepted the loss, you are ready to move on, do something special for yourself and for that person or to commemorate your loss. And some people uh, plant trees or rose bushes or, you know, they they get a a certain candle and they light it. Um, Maybe they write a poem. They do all kinds of different things. Or maybe they have written letters. Um, After I lost Radar, I had written Radar multiple letters, pouring out my soul to him. And when I finally reached a point of acceptance, I took those letters out and put them in a coffee can and um, buried it. I didn't burn the letters, but I um, just just buried all those letters that I wrote to him. And that was closure with, with Radar. And I've done some different things with different people. And then it's important to come up with a tradition. I may have shared this on here before, but every Christmas, usually on Christmas Eve, I will light a candle and I'll go out and sit on my balcony or my porch or whatever and play the flute and remember everybody that I've lost or everything that I've lost and just just spend a couple moments, you know, being appreciative for their part of my life. So, you know, that, that's my tradition. And so it's important to, to come up with something that you can do as a, as a tradition, as a token. Because what we have to do is remember that everybody who played that important role or that significant of a role in our lives, that we're actually going through grief over losing them, whether it's your home or, or your dog or who, um, there's a special place in your heart for that person or that individual, that being, and you will always, always have that there. And so if you can come up with a moment, you know, just to honor them, be it on their birthday or their anniversary or Christmas or whatever it is you choose to do, um, that, will, that will be helpful. I know this is a really painful subject, but we're going to open up for questions now or comments of things that maybe have helped you. Okay, I don't see any uh, hands raised. Oh, we do have one hand. There you go. Uh, Pam Coffee. We have Pam. You can unmute. Yes. Um, I know one of the most difficult um, situations for me to get through was not the loss of a person, because that was rough. Granted, that losing a a parent or a grandparent or someone you you're close to and you love and all that that's no bed of roses but one of the hardest things i ever had to go through well really there were two one was when my parents divorced and i was not a young child when that happened i was 25 but it was very very difficult and then the the other one that was right up there with it was the last time I had to move. Uh, And that was, well, it was a situation, let's just say it never should have happened. Um, Having Me having to move, 
I had to get legal help. I had to go through all kinds of hoops and what have you. And it ultimately did not work out in my favor. So I had to move. I moved just about a block away um, Mm. for a number of reasons. Um, One was financial. I was looking for something I could afford. And so I'm only about a block away from where I did live. And and this happened nine years ago plus. But the thing is, even though I only moved about a block away, emotionally, it was as if I had moved to the other side of the world. I mean, that's something that's hard to even explain. But, oh, the, the first few months were just were awful, just trying to get through, trying to adjust, um, just get over all of the, I guess, the stuff I had, had had gone through in the previous nine months to a year, getting legal help and all that. But that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through was moving, well, you're even right, though it's only a block away. That can be very difficult. Um yeah. That's a good example of how it's not necessarily death, and sometimes it has to do with the circumstances. Oh. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Hey, we have one more hand raised. Karen, you can unmute. Yes, Dr. Rail, I wanted to say how good your presentation was. I've taken notes. Um, I have lost several things in the last three months. I lost my mom with 19 virus and I had to make all the decisions of her medical care. And so I've had the guilt of maybe I, you know, should have put on the ventilator, but I had to try and I couldn't be with her. I had to lose my job to take care of my dad. I lost my best friend of 36 years a day after mom's funeral. So I think I'm finally coming out on the other side so to speak, I didn't realize how much of our identity, I think, is in the routine of our job. And what you said about trying to get into a routine is very important because I found myself not even wanting to get out of bed in the morning, although I had to get up you know, to take care of my dad because he also had the virus. Um, but it's been very helpful to talk to people. People, I found myself pushing people away, but I, I did talk to a few people that I still feel comfortable with. But I found that I just didn't want to go through the daily chit-chat of surface talk with people. Um, but I am, you know, trying to get back into a routine and finding reasons to get out of bed in the morning now a little more. So I think I'm coming out on the other side a little bit, but I have taken notes on everything you said and found it very helpful. Well, I think you're doing extremely well because it hasn't been all that long that um, you lost all of that and, and you know. So I think you're doing extremely well. But yeah, um, you know, any one of those things can be very difficult. And then when you have all three of them just kind of, you know, in a row, bang, 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 um, it can be very overwhelming. Okay. It started November 12th when I was diagnosed with the virus and then my family all got it. And yeah. it went from there, you know, to the mom's funeral on December the 15th. And then my friend died the next day. And, you know, it's just. You know what next? Well, hopefully that'll be enough for a while. We have three. It's coming threes. I think I've had mine. <laughs> okay. Oh, we've got some more hands raised. Uh, area code 505. You can unmute. Hello, Jesse. 
Hello. This is Beth. Yeah, how are you? Um, I'm very good. What I don't think is right is like um, when my first daughter's father died and even when my grandma died, people, why do they want to pressure you to get rid of their stuff? Uh, I'm sorry, what was your last question? Why do they want to pressure you? Oh, I think you should get rid of their stuff. Or you shouldn't have that stuff there. Why do you? I, I still didn't catch your question. Why? Why do other people want to pressure you to get rid of their stuff? Oh, well, I, I don't like say. Oh, you shouldn't have that stuff there, or you should get rid of that stuff. It might make make you feel better, or you know. Yeah. yeah well, many times people, based on what they think, or you know, what has been their experience, and. You know, they'll they'll tell you how you should feel or tell you what you should do and that type of thing. And, well, it's okay to say to them, you know what, I'll get rid of it when I want to, if I want to. You know, like my friend I told you about who, you know, hasn't gotten rid of anything. Um, right. It would probably help him a great deal if he would, but it's not okay for me or anybody else to pressure him and tell him what he has to do. Um, he'll do what he is ready to do when he's ready to do it. Well, like when my brother was killed, um, he was killed on Christmas Eve. And um, my mother hated Christmas after that. Mm -hmm. And at first we would tell her that too. Don't you want to decorate, Mom? Come on, the kids came to see you and stuff like that. And she would tell us flat out, no, you can decorate if you want to. I don't want to. Um, And the kids would say, She's mean, you know, and I'm like, no, she's not mean. Um, she'll get over, you know, she'll get over it, but she never did. She did not like Christmas after that, and and there was no making her like it. <laughs> and that happens sometimes, you know. Some people just the memory is too painful, and that's how they deal. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Okay. Next is Mary Carla Hayes. You may unmute. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. First of all, Jesse, thank you so much for doing these things, you know, these programs. And this one is really helping me today. Um, And I I just, before I say what I wanted to say, I just want to say, don't let people should you to death. (laughs) Because what, what works for one person might not for another. I mean, if you ask for a suggestion, that's one thing. But if they just keep pushing you and shooting you around... You can just say, hey, I've got to do this at my own rate. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's, you know, I think you do, just from what you've said. But I'm going through, I, I've i lost my, my mother. Um, she passed away on November the 21st, and um, I was with her when she died, and she was 94 years old, and I was her caregiver, and we just sort of took care of each other a lot, and she was in a home, and um, because of end of life, I was able to go and stay with her and hold her hand, and, and I was there. And, and I'm just having a really rough time because, um, well, like to, to give you an example, today's my birthday, and I'm absolutely alone. And, um, you know, she were around, um, she, she really made a lot out of birthdays. She knows that I love vanilla cake with vanilla icing, and I just am, I'm longing for a piece of birthday cake, but there's no birthday cake around or no way to get it. And I always think of people's birthdays, they're, they're, you know, their special day. And 
I share my birthday with my brother, and he hates birthdays. He doesn't even want to know about it. He says, oh, you're getting old. And I say, okay, shut up. I don't want to talk like that. But like today, I just earlier this week, I had a dream about mom, and it was almost like she was here, and I was having trouble with some mailing labels, and she hugged me, and she said, it's going to be okay, just like it used to be, and don't make mountains out of molehills, and all the things she used to say, but Today, I'm really having a rough time, and it's being magnified by the fact because, oh, everybody's all excited about spring, and everything is so bright, and everybody's going, you know, it's just all this, and and, and it's just a a dichotomy about what I'm going through and what the world's doing, and I feel absolutely alone today. All I have is my dog today, and I'm trying to make this a special day for myself, too, because I've had to work, too, but I think everybody's birthday should be their own personal holiday, and so... I, I guess that's all I gotta say. I don't know how to how to go through all this, but I just thought I'd share. Well, unfortunately, that part of adjusting to you not having that person there, and so hopefully you can figure out something that you can do for yourself to make the day special. Um, you know, get yourself a meal or with DoorDash or order a pizza or something. Um, that you are going to do for yourself. But I think that's beautiful that you had that dream about your mom because that still is an emotional or spiritual connection that reassures you that somehow you're going to be okay. But, you know, if you can just do something special for yourself, no, it's not going to be that vanilla cake with vanilla icing, probably. But maybe you can get something special for yourself. You're welcome. And best to you. Next, we have area code 501 ending in 974. You may unmute. Good afternoon. This is Teresa. Can you all hear me okay? Yes, we can. Okay, thank you. What I find hard sometimes in grieving is that when I tell um, a coworker that I have in a workplace, you know, that, you know, a friend of mine died or, you know, a relative of mine died, the first thing that she says, were they saved? And that's, you know, it's like, um, not, I'm sorry for your loss. I know that's hard. I know you'll miss this person, whoever the person was. You know, she'll just, where they say. Um, back in November, uh, our ACB affiliate lost somebody that used to live in Arkansas. And I didn't even know he had COVID until I found out on a Saturday morning that he had died. And I was, like, I was real shocked. And he was like a couple of years younger than me. And um, he let he and um, his uh, the woman he's been with they let um, he left behind a 12 year old daughter and sadly the girl is the one who found him. The uh, her mom was in the hospital. Unfortunately, he for whatever reason he didn't want to go to the hospital. He had COVID, and so did the girl's mother. She survived, but unfortunately, he did not. Wow. And um, I th- I mentioned something about it the next you know, that following Monday and. My coworkers like, I hope he was saved. You know, that's all she ever says. You know, she never really shows a sense of compassion. But, you know, when she's lost somebody, oh, she'll say, my mama was a kidney transplant. My dad was a heart transplant. You know, she's the only one that's ever endured any tragedy or lost somebody. Well, it can be difficult. I try really hard not to get really wrapped up or involved in what people say because most people really don't know what to say. And so, you know, they'll they'll say whatever. Um, most of the time, people truly do mean well. Um, 
but those are not probably the people you want to continue to talk to about losses if no. you know they they say things that just don't sit well with you. Yeah, and I've learned you know whenever I've kind of learned from that, you just uh, if it's ever somebody that I was close to or absolutely. I just don't share with her. Yeah, you know, throughout life we learn that there are certain people that we can share certain things with and then certain people that maybe we don't share those things with. And so it's just a matter of knowing who really gives you what you need when you need it. And another thing was, uh, it was about, uh, it was a, uh, week before Valentine's Day, uh, I think it was 2018 or 19, there was a a member of our church that I had known since the 90s, and I knew um, members of his his first wife's family very well, and he died uh, suddenly of a massive stroke, and they almost weren't going to allow me to uh, um, take off for a few hours to attend his funeral, but I I got to go, um, and you know, in support of his wife, and I remember she said you were going to a total stranger's funeral. He was not a total stranger. And then not only that, his um, his uh, current wife, the one who was left widowed, she was a mentor uh, to my oldest son. And so I felt it uh, my obligation to be there for her. Well, that was good that you could do that. Yes. And thank you for sharing. Dr. Rail, we have two more hands raised, and I just want to let you know we have about um, uh, 11 minutes left to the top of the hour. Okay. Okay. So, Karen M., you can unmute now. Um, yes. I just wanted to wish Mary a very happy birthday. And um, I'm not sure if I'm going to say the correct thing or not, but um, I mean it from my heart. You know, I've spent many birthdays on my own recently, but. I always find some way to make it. I do it special before the pandemic. I used to go out and treat myself to a nice meal. And 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 during the pandemic, I'm in New York City. We're kind of tied down here. Um, you know, I, I, I just I just do something special. Um, it can be a tiny thing or it could be a big thing. It could be anything, but it's my day. And I make it a special day. So I wish you a really happy birthday and and whatever you do. And, and um, that's it. Jesse, was that okay well, to say or was that not okay to say? <laughs> well, thank you very much for sharing. And you're right. You know, sometimes we just have to make it a special day, regardless of what it is, for ourselves. Um, you know, or even do something that we know that that person would do. Do it for yourself. Okay. Next, we have Pam's iPhone 7. You may unmute. Hi, y'all. Um, thank you for having this call. I really appreciate it a lot. You're welcome. And I, I, uh, I'm a hospice volunteer, so uh, all the things that you said are things I'm real familiar with. Um, I, I just realized something um, this week. Uh, my mom's birthday was yesterday, and she died in August. She died in a memory care facility, she had dementia. And we, the last time I saw her was March the 13th from last year. And then on the 14th, they locked everything down. So we talked on the phone after that um, up until the time that 
you know, dementia patients and Alzheimer's patients, they get to where they don't like the phone, the phone is kind of threatening and they won't, they don't want to mess with it. So we talked as long as she would do it. And she used to say, can we just cry? Because nobody wants me to cry. And I want to cry. And I'd say, okay, let's cry. <laughs> or say, you know, can I just talk about how gross it is to be in here? Nobody wants to hear that. And I'd say, Mom, you can talk about how gross anything is for hours. I don't care. But I liked your. We got along so much better after she had dementia. That <laughs> was kind of awful to say that. But she was so picky and perfectionist and everything before. And then after she got dementia really badly, I was the person that she wanted to talk to because I didn't care what she said or what she talked about. But right this week, um, we just had this horrible snowstorm here. Snow is like 16 inches deep and my electricity was off for four days and so was my water in it. And I felt really isolated and horrible because there wasn't anyone to call. All the people I would call if this was going on few years ago or now they're all dead and I'm the oldest one in the family now and I'm 67 so I feel really weird like like Mary said happy birthday Mary I had the I had the same kind of birthday in fact I just went to work and it was just a regular day and I came home and the only things I could really do because it was really late when I got home was um light a candle that I really liked and play some music that I really liked and cry so that's what I did for my birthday. It was kind of, and then I celebrated later when I didn't feel so uh, emotional about it. And I wanted to Pam coffee. I, I felt the same way you did about moving. It was it was like moving to a foreign country, and and I didn't want to move. And it was a horrible thing, and it still is a horrible. It's been ten years, and I still it's still a horrible thing. I don't want to be somewhere I don't want to be, just because someone else decided that's what. She, should happen and i am um, this week we're, we're having now i've got a broken pipe in my garage and water's everywhere so i had to learn how to turn off the water uh, the water company came and helped me um when i need some water i can turn it on for just a few minutes and then turn it off again until i can get the plumber to come but you know everybody in the world has needs a plumber and um so it's going to be a while and then um, my insurance decided it doesn't want to pay for my sleep medication, and that's just really great. And so it's now it's been a week we've been trying to figure out what they will pay for. And I kind of feel like I'm in this avalanche of grossness, and I'm just kind of having a really frustrating time of, well, there's nobody to talk to, like family to talk to about it. And I don't want to really bug my friends with all this crap. It's like, all you can do is complain. I don't want to hear that. So, And then I had to put my seeing eye dog to sleep. Um, recently, so I'm kind of in a really gross. Well, you're path. certainly going through a lot of different things <laughs> and having a lot of different challenges, <laughs> and it's okay like, to reach out to your friends. I I just feel like golly, what all of them are going through hard stuff, and um, wow. uh, I I'm usually the one that everybody calls when they're going through gross stuff because I don't care well. if, they, if they talk about it because I I I know what that feels like, and I um. I feel like I, I'm so used to having my dog here to touch when, when I'm feeling really sad. And so now I'm the only living creature in here. And I'm just really having a hard time with that. And I wanted to say that whoever has that beautiful dove, 
I had some doves too, and, and they got to be about 15 years old when they died. Um, one of them died first, and they told me the other one would die really soon, but I, I carried that other one around with me for two or three weeks so it wouldn't die, and it stayed alive for two more years. Aww. And it, it was so nice to hear that sound. Well, it sounds like you're going through a lot, and, you know, reach out to your friends, because they reach out to you, and sometimes it helps other people to know that trust them to talk to them. Thank you for saying that. That's very sweet. You know, sometimes we do that. We don't reach out to our friends, and then our friends kind of feel like maybe you don't really trust them or whatever. Well, actually, my friends are... (laughs) Why are you being so quiet? What's wrong with you? So then I have to say, well, there really is something wrong with me. If you want me to start talking, I'm not going to be very quiet in a minute. But um, (laughs) (laughs) they they do notice because I'm I'm acting different. Either I talk more than usual or, or I'm too quiet or whatever it is. They actually notice. And then my sister yesterday, my sister was having so much trouble with my mom mom's birthday because she was her favorite child and um you know that was something that i could i could i knew that she was going to be having trouble with that because they always had a great time on mom's birthday and my sister's birthday too and i kind of i like being there for my sister and i was really the last person to see my mom and it was really funny because we were FaceTiming so my sister could see her. And, and she was going, why does Pam have to feel around and on the wall? Because I was trying to figure out where to plug her phone in that we got. Because um, they told us she couldn't have a phone because she was calling people in the night, which wasn't true. Because she couldn't remember as anybody's phone number. But I found a phone that didn't have any buttons on Amazon. So I got that phone for her for her birthday. And she was getting upset with me because I was trying to feel it around on the wall to try to figure out where to plug it in. And my, my sister was going, Mom, she can't see. If you'd help her find the plug, she wouldn't feel on the wall. So just leave her alone. It was just really funny. Well, sounds like you've got a lot of stories to share and a lot of people who care, so reach out to them. Well, thank you for having us, Paul. I really really appreciate this opportunity to just be, you know, um, human waterfall for a minute. Okay. Do we have any other questions? I don't see any more raised hands uh, at the moment, Dr. Rail, and we have Um, about two minutes left. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, we'll be back next week, and uh, next week is going to be a lot more um, light. We're going to talk about humor and mental health. So join us next week, and thank you, everybody, for sharing. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you.